The Night Shift, episode number 94, as we slowly make our way towards the final weekend before the holiday break around the Ontario Hockey League, and specifically, Mike, the London Knights. Calgamar and Mike Stubbs, your hosts here on The Night Shift, and you can follow us on socials at Stubbs980 with two Bs, at Kyle Grimard on uh, on Twitter or X. If you want to uh, follow along with the other podcast episodes, you can do that as well on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Mike, I don't know how to do this, but I had a couple of people at the night's game saying we got to get on Amazon Prime Music. So I think we'll work on that and eventually make our way there. But we're on every other streaming platform as well. And Mike, there is plenty to talk about with Team Canada, with the Knights heading into the uh, winter break to a midday game or a, a midweek game last night against the Windsor Spitfires uh, and a whole lot more going into it. You bet. Want to congratulate Easton Cowan and Oliver Bonk. They are a part of Canada's 22-player roster, and this matters, 22-player roster headed to Sweden for the World Junior Hockey Championship. But here's the thing, Kyle. Denver Barkey was not on the 22-player roster, but I will make the argument right now that he would be the best 13th forward that Team Canada could possibly have. Here's the story, if you haven't heard it, if you haven't been following World Juniors just yet. Canada normally would name a 23-player roster. There have even been times when they've taken 25 over, depending on where they were going. But 23 is the norm. Three goalies, seven defensemen, and 13 forwards. This time around, they've said that they're naming a 22-player roster because they're still holding out hope that either Zach Benson could be released by the Buffalo Sabres, he still has junior eligibility and could come and play, or Matthew Poitra of the Guelph Storm, who is playing for the Boston Bruins, could be released and he could come and play. For one, for Matthew Poitra, I don't know if that's going to happen, one, because of how well Boston is playing and how well he is playing with the Boston Bruins. And an update from Thursday... The Buffalo Sabres just placed Jeff Skinner on injured reserve, which could mean more ice time for Zach Benson, which would mean that Buffalo would be reluctant to then send him to Team Canada. So the two options that they're currently occupying or the would be occupying spot for maybe the 23rd player on the on Team Canada that might not come to fruition anymore with the news out of Buffalo. And of course, how well Poitras has been playing in Boston. Exactly. If you have Canada doing this, usually it's because there's a little birdie telling them something. Usually you wouldn't do this and just keep fingers crossed. At least I wouldn't think so. Normally something like this tells you, hey, there is enough of a chance that we're going to leave this spot open. But you just outlined it. Boston lost two centers last year. Matthew Poitras has been playing well. He's been playing over 14 minutes a game. He's not doing anything wrong at the NHL level. And with Zach Benson needing to occupy more ice time, and he's been playing well too. Yeah, I I don't know. It, it seems to be that there could be an add to Team Canada. And that's where I'm going to jump up and down that it's Denver Barkey. Because Denver Barkey is a guy, and if you look at some of the other players, Paul Ledwinski and Jagger Furkus, Excellent players, outstanding players. But here's my argument. Denver Barkey is a guy who, if you're going to have him in the 13th forward spot, 
He's not playing necessarily a regular shift, but that 13th forward is very useful. We like to tell the story of Akil Thomas, who at the time was the 13th forward and ended up scoring the gold medal winning goal. Corey Perry was a 13th forward, wound up playing with Sidney Crosby and Patrice Bergeron on one of the best team Canada's in the history of the World Junior Hockey Championship. And so Denver Barkey being in that slot, you're there in case somebody gets hurt. Usually you're there in case somebody's really not going on a certain day or in case somebody gets kicked out of a game with a five minute major for a hit. This happens at the double IHF level. Denver Barkey is somebody who, if he had to slot into a scoring line, could do that. Playmaker extraordinaire. He can finish. He's a guy that could play those minutes. If you need him in an energy capacity, he's a guy who is hard on the forecheck. If you need him power player penalty kill, he checks those boxes. And I don't see anybody checking the boxes with as big of check marks as Denver Barkey does on any of the other players who did not make this roster. If you're going to add a 13th forward, it is Denver Barkey. Hands down, I don't see it any other way. And, you know, Mike, I'm going to add to that, too. Uh, yesterday, I was talking with a, f- a few individuals from the London Knights organization, and they said, too, k- kind of on top of what you said, a lot of good players, especially top six forwards who get played in bottom six roles, find a way to adapt their game to said roles while also giving you the the ability and the composure and the skill that you wouldn't normally get from, let's just say on a regular NHL or, or, or junior team players in those roles. Don't maybe have the same capacity as a player like Denver Barkey, but Denver Barkey, we've said this many times on this podcast plays bigger than what his size and stature quote appear to be. He has incredible skill. He creates room for other players on the ice, but he can also be an energy bug. He can go into the corners. He can use his body. He comes out, with a lot more pucks and puck battles than I think anybody really gives him credit for. And it's because people look at his hockey DB, see the size and go, oh, so he doesn't do anything. All he did last year in the playoff run for the London Knights was go into the corners, dig out pucks. He was laying the body in the, in the, in the OHL finals against the Peterborough Peets while being sick. So if there is a guy you want, and of course, Mike, on top of it, he has the heart, he has the term, uh, determination, he has the personality, and he has the the motive. He has the moxie of a type of guy you would want on your roster. So I am wholeheartedly agreeing with you that if at everything that has transpired, anybody you would want as a 13th forward on this Team Canada team, that's your guy. Goal and an assist in one of the scrimmages. That's one of those moments where Team Canada says, okay, show us what you've got. He produced. So there's everything going for him other than he was not included in the top 13 forwards with the hope that an NHL player would be able to come and play for Team Canada. So how long does it take before they have to decide? Well, they still have a few more days. You still have even through the preliminary games. So there's a little bit of time left, but Let's hope that we still see Denver Barkey on a flight to Sweden as a part of Team Canada. And that would be a third London night on Team Canada as 18-year-olds. There's a chance that we would see Oliver Bonk, Easton Cowan, and Denver Barkey back on the team next year as 19-year-olds. 
unless, of course, they find themselves in the National Hockey League. <laughs> so we're going to do more of a preview of the World Juniors next week on our next podcast, and we'll run down who some of the other teams are. But just to give you a little taste of Team Canada so far and some of the things to pay attention to through the pre-tournament games, right now Canada will do a lot of bonding stuff, and then they do have three pre-tournament games. They need to find themselves, Kyle, a number one goaltender. So let's just spend some time on goaltenders defensively it seems every defenseman is unique and they've got every ingredient you would need on defense scoring is one of those things that has been questioned but you look at Carson Rakoff and how he's been doing for the Kitchener Rangers he is your prototypical hockey player you've got Braden Yeager from Moose Jaw this guy creates offense got a tremendous shot you've got Fraser Minton who is known as a great shooter another one-timer guy and then you've got players like Owen Beck and Easton Cowan who are kind of facilitators they will they will make things happen on the ice and then other guys have the opportunity to finish oh Matthew Wood who's from the University of Connecticut, another yep. good shooter. So as much as you think, mm, I don't know about the offense on Team Canada, there are arguments to be made that they've got some good finishers. It's just a matter of whether this all comes together. So I think there's, there's more to Team Canada than people are giving them credit for. But if we look in goal, you've got three goalies. Scott Ratzlaff from the Seattle Thunderbirds, Mathis Russo from the Halifax Mooseheads, and Samuel St. Hilaire from Sherbrooke. So Russo and St. Hilaire are both 19. Ratzlaff is 18. Ratzlaff backed up last year and actually backed up last year's starter for Team Canada in Seattle and went to the Memorial Cup. Ratzlaff is a guy who, Kyle, he, he never lets the shooter see him make the first move. He is as patient, and then he just pounces. He's, he's aggressive in net. And Samuel St. Hilaire is kind of a late bloomer. Nobody expected him to really rise to this level, but he's got such a great compete level. He's technically so sound. He's got a 6-2 frame, great character. So he will certainly be in the running. And then Mathis Russo is maybe the most interesting one to watch. He's been playing for the Halifax Mooseheads. He's five foot eleven and 170 pounds, so he's not big. But this guy has been standing on his head for Halifax. They've been having a tremendous season. And a lot of people point to Mathis Russo as one of the reasons why. So I've made the case for all three. It's like it's like picking them out of a hat. Kyle, I don't think there's a wrong answer, but Team Canada's got to find a right answer, don't they? Well, they do. And normally they try to do that within the first couple of games, especially during the preliminary rounds. But this is not new for Team Canada. Team Canada has often gone into the World Junior Hockey Championships with, you know, three goaltenders. Maybe they haven't picked down to two, but it really could be wide open. We saw it just a couple of years ago when Brett Brochu, who was, quote, the third goaltender, ended up getting into a game winning and then was projected to be the starter before the tournament eventually got canceled due to COVID-19. But we've seen this time and time again, where there are a lot of very intriguing options for team Canada. And it's going to be one of those. We're going to go with the hot hand kind of situations. If the first guy that goes in plays well, he'll probably get the net again, or they might just give another guy an opportunity. If it's an opponent, like 
I don't know if it's like a maybe a Switzerland or like a Slovakia where Team Canada probably has a pretty decent chance, but you can't guarantee anything in these tournaments. But Canada normally comes out flying in the first couple of days. Give a couple of goaltenders each a start, see how they all play. And then the coaching staff ultimately makes a decision to go with one guy moving forward because you don't have a lot of time to figure it out. And once one guy gives you the clear nod and maybe it's the calm, cool composure during a moment of a game that you know, the coaching staff figures out, okay, this is our guy, or maybe it's something where they give up a goal and then they come back really strong and they, 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 they seem mentally aware of that and they don't let it bother them, but whatever it may be, this is not a new situation. Team Canada has been in before. That's right. And so that's the good news. And it's a nice luxury to have where you can look and say, Hey, all three of these goaltenders could take the net. And so we see whether or not each one of them maybe gets a pre-tournament game. So we'll do some more previews of the world junior hockey championship. It is such a fun time of the year. Again, congratulations to Easton Cowan and to Oliver Bonk and everyone else on that 22 player roster and watch to see what happens 13th forward, Denver Barkey, still pushing. I'm still pushing. The Knights took on the Windsor Spitfires on November the 14th, and they beat the Windsor Spitfires 6-2. to And, Kyle, the first time the Knights and the Spitfires met, it was a 10-7 final. <laughs> and the score at the end of the first period was London 3 and Windsor 2. Uh-oh. And... In the first period on December 14th, the game was racing back and forth. Windsor scored two goals 26 seconds apart. Landon Sim had a pair of goals. And at the end of the first period, the score was London 3 and Windsor 2. And all of a sudden, it had the feeling of could the second period explode just like the last time? Credit the London Knights down Four of their top five scorers, down Sawyer Bolton, who's been given a 10-game suspension for a hit to the head on Londoner Bryce McConnell-Barker of the Sioux Greyhounds in Sault Ste. Marie. So the Knights missing some players, called up Noah Jenkin. He made his debut, and we'll also get to Henry Brastevich, who played forward in the game with Jenkin back on defense. Jenkin and Jared Woolley were a defense pairing quite a few times in the game. And did very well. And you're talking about two guys who are still wearing full cages because they are part of the GOJHL. That was pretty impressive to see. And the Knights locked down the Spitfires, except for a deflection by Ryan Abraham and then a penalty shot by Ryan Abraham 26 seconds later. Pretty impressive outing. Here is Landon Sim on what he feels went into the win. Yeah, the Van Gorp, Johnson, and Bruce Devich did a great job tonight, I found. They were buzzing all night. They were great on the forecheck. Uh, Ryder Bolton had a great fight to get us kind of going there, so that was good. And, you know, the older guys came to play as as we should have. So, yeah, it was a great, great win throughout, and, yeah, it was nice to get that done. Little spark from Ryder Bolton. And what do you know? The London Knights with a big 6-2 victory. And now you've got Sam O'Reilly well on top, leading the OHL in scoring. We actually had a chance to ask Sam whether or not he pays attention to stats. And uh, as you might imagine, mm, tries not to. I'm not the type of guy to really look at those stats too much. But, I mean, I'm getting those points. It's pretty nice and helps the team out. So I think that's all-around success for me. It's just... Uh, keep helping the team and my own success will come with us. London Knights forward Sam O'Reilly and we're seeing players Kyle 
able to step into roles. How good is Ruslan Gazazov playing right now? Four assists. Landon Sim has four goals in his first four games since returning from injury. Sam O'Reilly, Sam Dickinson, Isaiah George. I'm going to start listing off the roster here because when top players disappear, other guys have to step up. For some teams, it happens. For some teams, it doesn't. We're seeing a lot of guys step up on this Knights team. Well, and this is exactly what we said would happen. Yes, a lot of the big scoring, the big names from the London Knights were going to be going to the World Junior Camps, and a few players were selected. Mike, I don't know if we said this or, or yet, but I want to give a shout-out to Kasper Haltonen, who is selected to go to Team Finland as a part of the tournament as well. And he said he grew up watching Finland every single time they played in the tournament, and for him to represent them is an absolute dream. But literally, your top four scores have been away for this, you know, Barky, Cowan, Bonk, and Halton. And, and the Knights come in here and put up six goals in this game. They had a great little uh, comeback almost against the Sioux over the past weekend as well. And for this Knights team, for guys to step up, we knew Landon Sim was going to be a big addition once he returned from injury. I, I don't know if anyone was thinking he was going to come a race out of the gates with four goals in the first four games. Very, very happy and pleased to see it. Love that he is playing so well right out of the gate as well. But Sam O'Reilly is a guy who has shown when given some, some leeway, he's able to take advantage. He's a very high-skilled player. He's beloved in the room. He's got the nickname going for him as well. And, you know, the, the back end outside of Oliver Bonk not being there is quite deep. Dickinson, Isaiah George, everyone else. Alec Leonard has stepped up as well. And how about Gazazov as a distributor with four assists? I mean, that is an aspect of his game that I feel has really grown so far early in the season. Well, he thinks the game so well. And you could see it on two occasions. He gave you exactly what he does so well. The first goal of the game, you mentioned Alec Leonard, and you're right. He is playing outstanding hockey. Alec Leonard comes in off the right point, and he ends up in a collision with Anthony Cristoforo that just happened. It was Stepping into the train tracks for both guys, they run into each other. Cristoforo got the worst of it. He was down on all fours for a little while, but there was no penalty to be had on the play. Neither one was setting a pick. They just ran into each other. And that happens right in front of Gazazov. There's a loose puck. And instead of being distracted, as most of us would, by, oh, those guys just ran into each other, he spots Jacob Julian at the side of the net for a tap-in. Boom. The puck was on his stick, off his stick, and to Julian instantly and then the knights were killing a five on three the penalty is ending gazazov gets to a loose puck in his own zone and immediately right up it goes to max McHugh. McHugh steps out of the penalty box the puck is on his stick it was a beautiful pass and then landon sim is charging down the ice sees exactly what's happening all of a sudden the knights have a two-on-one McHugh to sim and he stuffs it home huge plays both of them created by ruslan gazazov as off. It, it really is fantastic. And, and uh, I just, I love seeing the results of when guys get these opportunities. It just, it makes you feel not like a proud parent, but it just kind of gives you some validity because we've seen the skill from these guys. And, you know, there's a, there's so many great players this year on the London Knights. They were projected going into the years to be maybe one of the better CHL teams across all of junior hockey. And now with a couple other guys and on the roster, you're seeing these players come in and do exactly what we see them do, Mike, in practice. And we see glimpses during games. And it's starting to come to fruition more and more for these guys. And it's just it's just amazing to see. One last note out of this. Henry Brustevich is asked to play forward in yeah. this game because the Knights, like we mentioned, the suspension to Sawyer Bolton down a forward. 
and not only takes it in stride, does this. Now here's a steal. Brastevich getting it on goal. He shoots. Scores! Henry Brastevich, his second of the season. And the Knights lead 5-2. to two. Evan Van Gorp. Another player who we can mention all over the ice last night, creating chances, nearly had his very first OHL goal and picked up his second OHL point, and he's picked up both of them in Windsor. Loves to play in Windsor. He's from Watford. And so Evan Van Gorp breaks up a play as Windsor's trying to come out of their zone, immediately gets the puck to Henry Brustevich, and he looked like a forward. He got in on goal. He went in from basically the top of the circle, if not just below the top of the circle, and knew exactly what he was doing. Beautiful finish, and Henry Brustevich has his second of the year. So that's what you want. You want that versatility in the lineup. He played very well up front. We know the kind of scorer that his brother is, and this is something Henry is going to do throughout his OHL career. He's got this shot that we haven't seen him unload a whole lot. He did it in Barry for that first goal, but we'll see it a whole lot more as he progresses through his career and just a tremendous finish. So the Knights get a 6-2 win over the Winter Spitfires, and now they finish up their last two games before the holiday break against the Owen Sound attack. The attack had won five in a row. They're 3-3 three and three in their past six games. This is a club that is still trying to find that consistency, like so many other teams, trying to find that consistency, but they're dangerous. They have a really dangerous power play. Knights power play has scored a power play goal, by the way, now in nine straight games, and they were almost two for two last night with four different faces on their top unit. That's another accomplishment, but Windsor was given a penalty with 22 seconds to go, and power play stats are a mess for this reason. The Knights wind up being 66.6% on the night instead of 100% (laughs) because of 22 seconds at the end of the game. Give me a break. Start calculating power plays by minutes. That's the only way to do it. But that's that's a whole other podcast. And then, Kyle, the Knights will take on the Sudbury Wolves. And a block of tickets, by the way, has been opened up for both of these games. And it is be a fan, bring a can. So bring a can, bring a non-perishable food item, drop it in a bin, and that will help out the Business Cares food drive. Kyle, we know the Wolves can score. At least it's not... Friday because they've got 26 goals in their past three Friday games. So the Knights won't be playing them on a Friday. The Wolves have scored 16 in their past two games, but here's where it really breaks down. They have 31 goals in their past five. Forward Dalibor Dvorsky, who is a prospect of the St. Louis Blues, has eight goals all by himself in that span. Eight goals in five games. And Quinton Musty has 19 points in his past six games. That's better than three points per game, Kyle. Yeah, and listen, there is a reason he went in the first round of the 2023 NHL draft. I mean, this was a guy with the size, with the ability, with the shot, and it wasn't a secret that a lot of teams had him on their radar. And when he was sent back to Sudbury, we knew he was going to do some damage. And I think I think it took him a, a, a couple, about a month or so, Mike, to really kind of get back into the groove of things. But lately, he has been on absolute fire And I think a lot of people did see this coming, but yeah, you do not want to give him opportunities because he will make you pay on a multitude of occasions. He will. He is a draft pick of the San Jose Sharks, went 26th overall, and is somebody who's really dangerous, former first overall pick. 
in the OHL selection. Yep. Marcus Vandenberg, who is from Dorchester, is now a member of the Wolves. We'll see if maybe he gets the start against the London Knights. And then it is the holiday break, and we get close to the trade deadline in the Ontario Hockey League. And it's really strange, Kyle. You go back to last year at this time, and you had trades like Leighton Moore being picked up by the Kitchener Rangers. That's a big move. Francesco R. Curry being picked up by the Kitchener Rangers. This was the time when we were all saying, aren't the Rangers in eighth and ninth place? What are they doing picking up all these veterans? Well, they became the best eighth place team I think we've ever seen in the Ontario Hockey League and upset the Windsor Spitfires in the first round. But you also had Christian Cairo going to the Sarnia Sting. Yep. And then if we fast forward to this year, Kyle, if we look at the trades that have been made recently, uh, one of them is for the rights to Luca Del Belbaluz. Uh, Kitchener had to trade Roman Schmidt because they had too many overagers. Lucas Signoretti has been out of the league for a couple of years, but now comes back into the league. He was traded to the Sudbury Wolves by the Erie Otters. And then we've got the Marcus Vandenberg deal that we mentioned. And Ryder McIntyre goes from Oshawa to Peterborough. They don't trade very often. And Guelph picks up another defenseman. Guelph's defense corps is as deep as they come now. They got Thomas Budnick from the Kingston Frontenacs for a second and a pair of thirds. And that's it. And you have to wonder, what is it that is going on? And Kyle, I almost wonder if it's London Knights, Peterborough, Pete's itis. Now, the Pete's made some moves last year, but there was no guarantee that they would make it to the OHL championship. And I don't know too many people who said the London Knights are making it to the OHL championship. You would have thrown Windsor ahead of them. You would have thrown Sarnia ahead of them. You would have yep. said, hey, that Kitchener Ranger team that might be eighth or ninth also could be in the final. You might even put Kitchener ahead of them for the moves that they made. And yet the Knights were there. Is every team wondering if they could be Peterborough or London in 2024? Well, and I think a lot of teams that maybe are on that precipice like a lot of what their team brings to the table, and maybe they don't have to go out and make two or three moves. Maybe it is just one move for one piece that they think will kind of solidify everything that they have going on. When the Knights made their big move last year, one, I think they made it before the new year, and this was the deal, of course, that brought over Ryan Winterton and Ryan Humphrey, but that was with the Hamilton Bulldogs at the time, and this was done well beforehand and London after that point really were quiet. They didn't do a whole lot because they made their move early. And it was really, that move was all they really had to do to kind of solidify. It gave the team an opportunity to gel as a unit and go into the postseason as hot as any team. And then we saw the elevation of, you know, the Easton Cowan and Denver Barkies and the Twinterton line who went off on, on an absolute tear to bring London all the way. So I'm wondering once every player comes back to the Knights, Mike, if, if London looks at their team, because their defense core is as deep as it gets. You talked about the Guelph storm. London went into the season with one of their deeper decors that, we can remember in past years with Dickinson and Isaiah George and, and Oliver Bonk and Jackson Edward and Ethan McKinnon and Alec Leonard. Like there is a very good group here. So if you're trying to add a player on the back end, one, who are you possibly taking out and who has to leave the roster in order to make room for that player? Maybe it's somebody up front, but now all of a sudden with players out of the, the Knights lineup, we're seeing guys, a younger player step up. Maybe Sam O'Reilly with this new opportunity becomes this 
player that when everyone comes back in, he's now put on maybe a second or third line role where he gets to kind of dominate because everyone else is worried about Halton and Cowan and, and Barkey. And it gives Sam O'Reilly more room. Landon Sim just returned Mike from an injury. And all of a sudden he's scoring at a goal per game clip over four games to start the season. Maybe that's an ad that London wasn't expecting to have, but all of a sudden now they have it and they're looking saying, we got a pretty deep team already. Do we need to actually go make a move? They acquired a goalie before the season started. So that's taken care of. Maybe the Knights just stand pat because they like their team. Maybe they do. Maybe they do because there's an awful lot to like. And I love the fact that Landon Sim is back in the lineup because one of the things he does going down the stretch and into the playoffs, not only does he go to the dirty areas, he scores the dirty goals. And that is a good example for everybody because those are the kinds of goals that you are going to see in the second half and in the playoffs. You have to be willing to go and get them. He's willing to go and get them. And when you're watching on the bench and you think, hey, look where Landon just scored that goal from, That's what I'm going to do, too. It makes a huge difference. So, Knights and Owen Sound, Knights and Sudbury, and then a break for a bit over the holidays. A couple of other notes. Ramuski will host the 2025 Memorial Cup, and the QMJHL is still the QMJHL, but it's not the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League anymore. It's the Quebec Maritimes Junior Hockey League. They've included Maritimes in the name. little rebrand for the Q. And I like it too because it keeps the it keeps the QMJHL all in one without having to change a letter in there. So I do really like that. I also might want to give a shout out to the Professional Women's Hockey League, uh, Toronto specifically. Yesterday, their single game tickets went on sale. They sold out. Not yes. just for game one, Mike, for the entire season. All games are sold out for the PWHL Toronto on their very first day of single ticket sales. Absolutely incredible. They're going to be currently playing this year at the Madame Athletic Center, but maybe after this, they might have to move to a bigger arena after that. But I think that's very good news for the league, very good news for Toronto, and a very good site to start. And a very good place to finish off the podcast. Kyle, we will preview the World Juniors, recap the final two games on the night slate, And it should be a fun World Junior Hockey Championship. Lots to watch for. Canada and Finland play each other. So once Finland finalizes their roster, that's going to be a a Kasper Haltonen, Easton Cowan, and Oliver Bonk mix, and maybe even a little Denver Barkey thrown in. That's a great recipe for Boxing Day morning. You've got to be up early, though. That's an 8.30 a.m. start. Oh, Mike, and I know that there are enough Team Canada World Junior fans. We will be up, we will be cheering on, and we'll be looking at all of our London Knights representatives and every OHL representative that's going to be taking part in the tournament as well. Enjoy the weekend. We're back next week. Mike, we'll see you then.